Isn't it good to be saved? Isn't it good to have a working air conditioning? Amen. 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 I was in a house today. I uh, had a, a situation take place, and I was in a the house. They didn't have any air conditioning, and somebody told me, he said, uh, this will make you appreciate air conditioning. I said, ma'am, I didn't need this to make me appreciate air conditioning. I promise. But uh, thank God for air conditioning. Thank God for his word. I, I, I Just going over this, it's amazing. This is like our third week in this particular chapter, and I've, I've read it over and over and over again and several, several times today. And it, it just seems like the more you read something, God just makes it bigger and bigger and bigger, and you just see more things. And that's why it's so important uh, to meditate on the Word. Meditate on the Word. Too many of us have this problem, and, and I say us because I've done it before, where we, we're speed readers. And we're just skimming through stuff. And, and, and we, sometimes we just need to slow down so God can talk to us a little bit. Amen? Look in John chapter number 6 and verse number... One. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. It says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him. Now say that with me. And a, a great multitude followed him. Now, now that, that sounds great. That sounds great. Every, every pastor wants a multitude. I mean, they want to they reach a lot of people. They want to speak to a crowd, and they want to uh, uh, see a ton of people get saved and a ton of people in the church house. So from man's point of view and, and the way this looks, this looks like a good thing. I mean, this looks like a, a good deal. Man, there's a ton of people following Jesus. Uh, but what is the title on the top of your notes? What does it say? Things are not always as they appear. Let's flip over. Let's flip over uh, to verse number 66. Look in verse number 66. It says, And great multitudes followed the Lord. Now look, look, in, look in verse number 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked. And many of his disciples went back and and walk no more with him. Things are not always as they appear. Uh, we're going to look tonight even in more detail uh, the difference between true disciples and false disciples. Uh, going to church does not make you a Christian. And when I say Christian, I use the word Christian as a saved person, okay? Uh, there, there's a lot of people claim to be a Christian and claims that, that name and that word, but I'm talking about a saved person. Uh, it, it, being Sitting in a church house, it, it no more makes you saved than standing in a garage makes you a car. Are y'all with me? And, and so we, we, this is a real, honestly, this is a real serious study. This is a real serious chapter because I'm, I'm afraid, and I can prove it with Scripture, that there is a ton of people in churches all over the world, all over America especially, uh, who are sitting in church and they're very religious, but they are very unconverted. And, and, and I think one of the most dangerous places to be in life is to be in a place of a lost condition and thinking you're saved. I think a person that's lost and knows they're lost and knows what they need, they have a better opportunity and a better chance because they know what they need to do. But are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So let's talk about that tonight. Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege of being here. And it is truly, truly an honor and a privilege to be able to stand in your house with your people. 
uh, to, to study your word. Strengthen our faith tonight. Lord, I pray tonight, if there is anybody in this place, Lord, that's unconverted, they may be religious, they may be, uh, uh, Lord, uh, they may be passionate about things, but Lord, they've never been truly converted. And I pray tonight that you would motivate them. I pray that you would convict their hearts tonight. And Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, and most likely there is with a crowd this size, I pray tonight would be the night that they would come to you in repentance and submit their life to you for salvation. I pray your perfect will be done. God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's look at your notes. Let's look at your notes in the first page. Just some, some uh, reference scriptures that we're going to look at. And, uh, and then we'll jump back into the outline and finish, try to finish the outline up uh, uh, this particular evening. Uh, things that we, we want to go to. You say, preacher, I, I, I just don't believe in, in, in false disciples. You're, uh, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The, the word disciple is used. Now understand this. Most of the time when you hear the word disciple or you think the word disciple, you automatically think John. You automatically think Peter. Uh, maybe Matthew, you know, the 12 disciples. How many of y'all would agree with that? Say amen. When you, when you see the word disciple. But it, here in the terms that are used here in John, he's speaking about people who are following Jesus or are, are students of the Lord. In other words, they're, they're, they're learning. They're, 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 they're following him to hear his teachings. Uh, rabbis had disciples. It would be people that would follow them and to hear his teachings and to, and to try to be like that person. And that's the reference that's here in this chapter. In other words, there's a ton of people trying to follow Jesus to hear his teachings and to hear what he has to say. And, and most, most of them, in the beginning of the chapter, of chapter number six, uh, they're coming because of the miracles. They're coming because they see, they see uh, the supernatural. They see the phenomenon. Uh, they see him fixing problems. Are y'all with me? And, and I, I'm not going to lie. That is attractive to me. I mean, seeing something supernatural is kind of cool. It's attractive to the human spirit. We want to see something happen like that. Uh, we want to see something spectacular. We want to we, we see the phenomenal. And, and anytime you advertise something like that, you're going to attract people. Well, they're following him because of the miracles he's doing. I mean, he's healing people right and left. And, and so now we have this crowd here. According to the scriptures, it's probably uh, upwards to 20,000 people. And, and, and so here in these verses, it says they're following him because of the miracles. Now, I, I want to look at these, these reference verses real quick. And we're talking about true and false disciples. And we're going to see, we're going to see, hopefully, hopefully tonight, if we can finish this tonight, we're going to see how this chapter, as many verses as there are, 71 verses in this chapter, and how, how it's really not a story of a miracle of feeding a bunch of people. It's really a story. We're going to see true motivation of people and a true spiritual condition and what Jesus is trying to get these people to. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now watch this. Watch this. Matthew 7. Matthew 7 verse 13 says this. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, let me say that again, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto what? 
and what? Few there be that find it. That's very telling. That's very telling. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Isn't that kind of similar to what Jesus said about out of the abundance of the heart, the the mouth speaketh. He said, you're going to know people, not by what they say, but what you see in their life. How many of y'all will be honest with me? Just a minute, just a minute. Don't be looking at nobody in the building, amen? How many of y'all know people who had said one thing, professed about being a Christian, and then go around and do the exact opposite of what they say? That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they profess. What do you see in their life? A good tree is not going to put forth bad fruit, and a bad tree is not going to put forth good fruit. Amen? Amen. Look what it says. And here's where it gets, this this is a reality. I mean, this is a sad reality. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many... Many, that, that, that talks about a great number. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. What is he saying? There's going to be a lot of religious people. There's going to be people that went on missions trips. There's going to be people that served on ministries. There's going to be people that, that had an attendance spent in Sunday school. Watch this. He said, we've done all these things. Then will I profess unto them. Say it with me. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Matthew 13. Jesus is given the parable. He's given the parable of the the tares, the wheat and the tares. A tare is a weed, by the way. A weed that looks like uh, wheat. When they first sprout up, they look the same. They look identical as they're growing. But one has substance and the other doesn't. It kind of reminds me of the verse, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. In other words, when you, when you form up a sidewalk, a form is an outward frame, but there's no substance, there's no concrete in it. Are you all with me? And, and there are people who have a form of godliness, but they have no substance. And here... We see in this parable, he said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which soweth good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, so what they see, they see fruit on some and weeds around them. Then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence came the tares? He said, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest any, while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, 
Bind them in bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. That's a, that's a very simple picture of what Jesus is saying. In every church, there's saved people and lost people. And the problem is the lost people look like the saved people. The lost people may even talk like the saved people. And sometimes the lost people act like the saved people. But he knows the difference. And one day there's going to be a great harvest. One day there's going to be a time of reaping. And there's going to be a time of judgment. And there's going to be a time of rejoicing gathering into his house. So what's the point? 2 Peter 1.10 Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence Give diligence to make your calling and election, say it, sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not, uh, uh, know ye not your own selves how that Christ Jesus is in you, except ye be reprobates. He says, examine yourself. Check yourself. Give diligence. Make your calling and election sure. I want, you to, I want you to turn with me. I want you to turn with me back to John chapter number 2 for just a second. John chapter number 2. In verse 23. Verse 23. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to make a statement. And I hope you can appreciate it. And, and I hope you don't get too confused by it. I'm not, I'm not here... I'm not here to get you to doubt your faith. I'm here to get you to be sure of your faith. And there's a big difference. I, don't want, I, I want to build someone's faith. If they have genuine faith, I want to do everything I can to build that faith and strengthen that faith and develop that faith. But I want it to be genuine faith. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, when I say this, I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. I have always believed in Jesus, but I have not always been saved. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm, try I'm trying to tell you, ever since I've been a little kid, ever since I could speak, I could sing Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. And I believe that there was a person who came from heaven whose name was Jesus and he was God's son and he died on the cross and he died for my sins. I knew that, I believed that he died for my sin, but I was not saved. I could quote scripture. I went to a Christian school. I had all the, listen, you, you, you could, all the books of the Bible memorized. I, I mean, I could quote you verse after verse after verse after verse. But there came a time when Jesus began to convict my heart. And it moved from a mind, head knowledge to a heart conviction of my sin. Are you understanding that? And I had to submit and surrender to Christ. Are y'all with me? And so when we read these words, you're going you're gonna to see some things that's going to stand out in your mind. In verse 23, verse 23, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, now, now, to, to, now to catch you up to this part, you got to understand Jesus was performing miracles by the droves. I'm talking about miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And they were seeing some incredible things. And these people were watching him and just seeing, my soul, look what he's doing. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch. Now when he was in, the, in Jerusalem at the, at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name. When they saw the miracles which he did. 
But Jesus, now watch this. This, listen, this, is, this is what's so intriguing. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. Now the word commit here and the word believed in verse number 23 is the same identical Greek word. Same identical Greek word. Now if we put that together, this is what it, this is what it means. It says they believed in him, but he didn't believe in them. In other words, they made a profession. They made a profession. They got all excited about the miracles. And they made a profession about him. But he knew their heart. He knew them. He did not believe in their profession. You say, well, that, that's not, he's God. He knew their motivation behind what they were doing. That in other words, they believed in the miracle, they just didn't believe in the Messiah. Are y'all with me? Now, that's important. That's important because we're going to jump, we're going to jump into that and we're going to show some more about that, okay? The words <clears throat> we said, same, same identical Greek word. These people believed in Jesus, but he did not believe in them. They were, now watch this, they were unsaved believers. And I just told you, I, I, I was growing up, I was an unsaved believer. I, I, I knew there was a, you know, a, 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 here we go. Christian school, the whole deal. Now, it is one thing, it is one thing to respond to a miracle, but it's quite something else to commit oneself to Jesus Christ and continue in his word. Would you say amen right there? Now, here's the thing. Let's go back to... Let's go back to John chapter number 6. Let's go back to John chapter number 6. Uh, we read in the beginning, multitudes followed him. Let's, let's do this. Let's, do, let's, let's skim through, let's skim through and, and, and rehearse or, or, or review last week so you, can, you that weren't here last week or you, you that forgot your notes, you can go ahead and write these out, all right? Here's, here's the story. Here's John chapter number 6. <clears throat> We see Jesus has, has just been informed of John the Baptist's execution. The disciples had buried him and came and told Jesus what had happened. Jesus wants to get away from the crowd. He really, he really wants to get off to himself, whether it's to grieve, whether it's to, you know, uh, 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 whatever, the, whatever the case may be. He took his disciples to get away, and the people followed him. They found out where he was. They, they knew where he was. So here we have this crowd that comes out to the wilderness it's a wilderness area. There's nothing there. There's, there's nothing to sustain life out there. And here he is with his disciples trying to catch a break, trying to rest, and the people come. The people come in droves. It's not just a, a, a group. It's a crowd up towards 20,000 people. Are y'all with me? 20,000 people. Come out there, and Jesus sees them. <clears throat> and Jesus, being Jesus, has compassion on them. The word, the gospels say this, that he, that he had, he had uh, compassion on them because he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. So he's amongst the crowd and he is teaching and he is preaching amongst the crowd and he is healing among the crowd. There are people that are diseased that he's touching and healing. There's people that are broken that he is mending and he's just going through the crowd and he's just ministering to them and having mercy on them and compassion and touching them and helping them. And in the, in the middle of all that, he's teaching. And here's the thing, this goes on all day. I mean, this is, just, this is an all-day event, and it's starting to get late. 
It is starting to get late. It is starting to, the, the, the day has gone by and it's starting to get late. And his disciples, his disciples come to him. <clears throat> and they say, man, we got a problem. So, so number one, write this down, write this down. There is a compassionate ministry. In this particular chapter of number one, we see a compassionate ministry. A ministry of healing, a ministry of touching, a ministry of teaching and preaching. All right, so we have a compassionate ministry. Number two, we have a challenging miracle. A challenging miracle. And I, I said last week, I believe the miracle was more about the disciples than it was about the people. The people had a need, yes. The people, the people had a need that they could not meet on their own. Yes, I, there's no doubt about it. But I believe Jesus used that as an opportunity to develop his disciples. He used it as an opportunity to challenge. That's why I put the word challenge. I didn't mean challenge because it was a hard one for him to do. I meant it was a challenge because it was something that he could get his disciples involved in to develop their belief in him. Because this is the way it turned out. They, they came to Jesus and said, hey, man, we need to send all these people away. We're, we're in a desert place. We're in a wilderness place. And they, we, we don't have, you know, they, they, they let them go and find them something to eat. And Jesus said this. They don't need to go. They don't need to go. This is what he says. You feed them. You feed them. And, and, and he says this, according to John chapter number 6, he says this, I, I, I want you to do it. And he said, to test them. To test them because he already knew what he would do. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He already had a plan. He already knew how this thing was going to turn out. Now, I don't know about you, but that should be encouraging because there's going to be times when there's going to be a great need, a great problem, a great trial, a great difficulty, maybe even a great storm that, that God is going to allow you to go through to challenge your faith, to develop your faith. But even when you're facing that trial, you need to understand God's already got a plan for it. God already knows how it's going to turn out. God already knows the answer to the problem before the problem ever. Somebody say amen right there. He said he already knew what he was going to do. And this is an opportunity for Christ to develop faith in his disciples. You say, where do you see that? He said, you go get it. He said, we don't have anything. Matter of fact, we don't even have enough money to even give them all a little bit. He says this, go see what you do have. Who's he speaking to? Not the crowd, but the disciples. The whole conversation is with the disciples the whole time. Are y'all with me? Go find something. He challenges them. He, 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 he says, listen, you feed them. He gives them, he gives them the, the task ahead. And then, then they say, we don't have anything. He said, well, what do you have? Go look. They go look and come back and say, we got this lad here and this little lunch. But what are they among so many? And what does he do? Bring it here. He blessed it, break it, and gives it to who? The disciples. He gives it to the disciples, and they give it to the people. So they are the ones involved. And this just keeps happening until everybody gets something to eat. And not only does everybody get something to eat, everybody gets as much as they want. Say amen. And he says, all right, everybody's full. He said, okay. Who's he still speaking to? Disciples. He tells the disciples, now get up, just gather everything that's left. And what they do? They gathered 12 basket loads. So preacher, what's the point? I believe this whole miracle was more about the disciples than it was about the hungry people. 
The hungry people just gave Jesus an opportunity to develop faith in his disciples. Now, what can we learn from this? This is not the message, but I'm feeling this right now, and I'm thinking this right now, and God's putting this in my head right now. When you run into a problem, when you run into a need in your community, don't look like it's, the, it's, it's a terrible thing. It just might be God giving you an opportunity to see him do something great. Are y'all with me? And so, so this great need was just a, a great opportunity for Jesus to show himself real to his disciples and develop faith in them. Now, 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 here's what takes place. Here's what takes place. And this is, this is what's, whew, man, when you put all this stuff together, it's amazing how it stands out. All these people got something to eat. Now look what it says. Look what it says. <clears throat> in verse number, verse number 14. Verse 14. Tell me when you get there. All right. Now keep in mind, keep in mind what we read in John 2 about the, the response of the people when they saw the miracles. They said, we believe, but they didn't. They believed in the miracle, but not the Messiah. Are y'all with me? Now watch. All these people ate. And they all ate something, and they all knew that all this food came from this little lad, and it came from a miracle worker. Are y'all with me? Now watch. Look in verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, in other words, they're making a profession. They're making a profession. This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. Now that profession sounds pretty good. That profession sounds pretty good. But Jesus knows their heart. Jesus knows their heart. Now, toward the latter end, we're going to see, we're going to see and I'm going to prove that that profession was a false profession. It was not a genuine profession. It was not a... Anyway, let me, let me, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but I know where I'm going. I won't hurry up and get there because I, I know that clock is running like fast. <laughs> Say amen. We see a compassionate ministry. We see a challenging miracle. But then this is, this, is where, this is where the rubber meets the road. And this is what it's all about. Verse 26, this begins a convicting message. Write that down. This, this, this begins the convicting message. If y'all will remember, in John, we said these signs. And the word sign means there's a message behind the miracle. In other words, the miracle is more important. Excuse me, the message about the miracle is more important than the miracle itself. And the feeding of the 5,000 was not so everybody could say, look what, look what a buffet this man made. It's not about that. It's so Jesus would have an opportunity to say, I am the bread of life. The miracle was not to fill their bellies. The miracle was to reveal himself to them and show who he truly was. And so this is what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the sermon. Jesus says, it's time to preach. Here, here's the deal. And I, I, I kind of got ahead of myself again. All right. They, they got full. And they saw the miracle. And the miracle got them all jacked up. 
And they made a, a false, or I'm, let's don't say false yet. I'll, I'll come back and prove that. They made a profession. They sounded kind of spiritual. Sounded a little religious that way. They, they remembered a verse about a prophet that was supposed to come. Okay? And surely that's, that's, that's him. In the very next verse, the Bible says, they wanted to by force make him king. They wanted to by force make him king. Now here's the whole point about the whole deal. Everything about these people who are following Jesus, they're not following him as a savior. They're following him as a fixer. In other words, this is a man who can fix my problems, and now he can not only fix my problems and help me where I feel no pain and I feel better, he can also fill my belly. And there's something about filling the belly. That means I don't have to work for it. In other words, this is a leader. They want to make him king, remember. This is a leader who can give us free. They're thinking physical. They're thinking materialistic things. Are y'all with me? It's not about the spiritual whatsoever. Jesus came ultimately to be the sacrifice for our sins. He came to meet our spiritual need. But they were not looking for a spiritual Messiah. They were looking for somebody to get the yoke of Rome off of our back. They were looking for somebody to come and meet their physical needs. And even their physical wants. In other words, come solve my problems. Come fix me and feed me. Fix me and feed me. You know people come to church every week for that? People come to church every week because they got bills they want the church to pay. I'm just being straight up with you. They're coming every week because their wife left and hopefully if I show up to church, God will feel sorry for me and make her come back home. Y'all can look at me any way you want to look at me. I'm telling you, I've been in this thing a long time. This is not my first rodeo. People come all the time because their life's a mess and they've made poor decisions, they've done stupid things in their life and their life's a shambles and they'll come and I'm talking about they'll weep and wail and gnashing their teeth and you think, dear God, I mean they're getting a verily, verily kind of salvation and they'll get right back up there, go to their chair and when things start going better in their life, you can't find them with the CIA. Are y'all with me? It's amazing how many things we'll promise God in the foxhole that we'll forget when we get back to R&R. And so here we are, man. Hey, let's, this, is, this is the prophet, and let's make him king. And when Jesus saw that, he got away from them, sent his disciples on, and he went into a mountain to pray. They get in a storm. Here's a, and I don't want to get into all that. That's a whole nother, another great story. But by the way, the next day, Let's skip, let's skip the walking on the water and the storm and the miracle there. And, and the next day, here Jesus is and the people come again. The same group of people that were fed, not only them, but several, several that had heard about him and heard about the miracles and heard about what he's done. And now, now they're gathered again. Now they're gathered again. And, 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 and see, from man's, from man's viewpoint, this, this would look like, wow, man, they're really sticking with Jesus. I mean, through the storm and everything, they're still following Jesus. Now, Jesus comes to a point. He confronts them. 
And he turns around and he preaches a sermon. There's something that's going to stand out in this particular message that we're going to see. That, that even in the style that he does it, look at look what, what we see. In number three, number three, a convicting message. A convicting message. The Bible says, look at look at eight. Look, write this down, and then we'll we'll look at the verse. There's a confrontation of motivation. In other words, he confronts their motive. All these birds on TV trying to trying to you know say you shouldn't be abrasive in your preaching. And you shouldn't be confrontational in your preaching. They don't know what they're doing. And they ain't never been to a Jesus sermon. Period. I'm talking about the first thing, the opening line to the sermon. Watch. Let me show you. Some of y'all look at me funny again. Look here. Look at verse 26. All right, they show up. They show up in verse 25. They show up in verse 25. Here's his response to them. He he begins the sermon. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles now, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. In other words, in the beginning of chapter number 6, they were following because they saw all the miracles. Now they're following. Now their motive is, is degenerated from the miracles now just so we get in the full belly. So we can have some free food. What did he do? He confronted their motive. He said, your motive is all wrong. Your motive is all wrong. You're not following me because you have a spiritual need. You're not following me because you you want me to remove your sins and you want to know who I am and you want to hear my word and the message that I have. You're just following me because you want a free sandwich. He confronts their motive. Let me tell you something, real preaching and real teaching will always be confrontational. And here's the thing, I wrote down in my notes, I wrote down in my notes that I I left on on the desk, I put there, he addressed their need. Here's the thing, sometimes we need, we need encouragement. Sometimes we need uh, uh, preaching on mercy and Sometimes we need preaching on grace, but other times we need God to get in our grill and tell us what's up. The Bible says he was full of grace and truth. In grace, he fed the multitudes. He met their physical need. In grace, he touched their hunger. But now he's fixing to give them the truth. And what we are seeing in this chapter is an, as of epidemic proportions in our country. We have a tons of people who want the grace and we want the favor and we want the free stuff and we want God to fix our problems and we want God to meet our needs, but we don't want to hear the truth. We don't want to hear that there's sin in our life. We don't want to hear that we need to straighten our act up. We don't want to hear that we need to turn around and repent and come to God and submit to Him and follow His direction and obey His commands. I need a witness tonight. He said, you want the grace, but you don't want the truth. He said, your motive is all wrong. Your motive, He confronts their motive. Listen, why you do what you do is as important as what you do. Why are you here tonight? And I, don't get me wrong. I'm glad you're here. And usually it's the cream of the crop on Wednesday night. But why are you doing what you do? 
We need to sometimes sit back and, what did he say? Examine yourself. Examine yourself. He confronted their motive. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. As he begins to, as he begins to go in the truth of the sermon, you, you, you've got to understand the whole time Jesus knew their hearts. Even before he fed them, he knew their hearts. Even before he, he performed the miracles, he knew their hearts. And now he's confronting them so he can reveal to them what's in their hearts. I tell you what, sometimes, sometimes when, when God's up here preaching, uh, he shows us things we don't really want to see. How many of y'all say amen right there? Now watch. First, there's a confrontation of motivation. Look what he says. Look what he says. First, he said, you're not, you're, you, 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 you have no kind of spiritual desire whatsoever. It's all about the physical. It's all about your materialistic needs. It's all about the temporary. It's not about the eternal. Watch what he says, verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Which the son, in other words, you're working real hard to get a free sandwich. He said, you, you, you've got to, sooner or later, you're going to have to look beyond the physical. You're going to have to look beyond the earthly. He's trying to tell them what he's really there for. He says, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. You see what he's now? He's, he's wanting to bring in salvation. Now he's wanting to bring in why he's really here. Which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him... For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, they don't get it. Then they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? In other words, tell us what, tell us what we have to do to earn it. You see, they're so, they're so used to in their religion to earn, to work, to serve. And Jesus, is, is, he's fixing to look at, write this down. There's a confrontation of motivation, but then there's a challenge of a myth. The myth, there's only two religions in the world, guys. Don't ever, don't ever let somebody fool you into saying anything. There's only two religions in the world. There's a bunch of branches of one, but there's only two religions in the world. There's a grace and a works religion. There is Abel and Cain. Abel is grace, Cain is works. And obviously we know which one God's accepting. There's only two religions in the world, a religion of grace and a religion of works. Every religion, false religion in the world falls under the, the, work, the, the works category. You've got to do, 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 do. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. Grace said it's done. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. But what they were saying is, all right, what, what, do we, what, what good works do we have to do? What good deeds do we have to do? What work do we have to do? Watch what Jesus says. <clears throat> then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he has sent. He said, It's not about what you do, it's your faith. He's trying to teach them about genuine faith. But here's the thing. You say, Preacher, I have faith in what? Salvation is not in faith itself. Salvation is in the object of your faith. Let me show you. Let me show you. This is the work of God that ye believe on Him. The object, place your faith 
in him. We're going to talk about what genuine faith is in a minute, okay? So don't get, we'll get there. They said, therefore, unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doest thou? Now, see, now they're asking for more signs. Our fathers did eat man in the desert. How many of y'all would believe that feeding 20,000 people one last lunch is good enough? But now they're asking for more. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Here's what they're saying. Well, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened to our father. God fed the whole nation. And what basically, here's what they're saying. If you want us to believe you, give everybody in our nation something to eat. Because that's what God did. Watch. Verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, there he goes with them words. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. In other words, that manna didn't come from Moses. But my, my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down. Now see, he, now, now, y'all, y'all, watch this now. Now we're fixing to get to the content of the message. That's, that's C, by the way. Write that down in your notes and we'll come back to it. Hurry up and write that down and then we'll talk about it. The content of the message. The confrontation of motivation, the challenge of myth. It's not about works, it's about faith. But then let's look at the, 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 the detailed content of the message. For the bread of God is he, is he, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said, and now watch this, this verse, verse 34 proves they still don't get it. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. It's kind of like when Jesus used, Jesus used uh, uh, earthly illustrations to make a, a, a heavenly point, if you will, a spiritual point. He used something of everyday life to make a spiritual point. He did this with Nicodemus. He did this with the woman at the well, and he's doing it again. And all three times, they didn't get it. Nicodemus, he used being born again. And he was thought it was the physical when Jesus was meaning the spiritual. Y'all remember? Then the woman at the well. Jesus said, if you, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask of him, and he would give you living water, and you would never thirst again. And what she say? Give it to me. And the point of that, the point of that was her physical. She was still thinking the physical, the temporal. In other words, I don't want to have to keep coming back to this well. But Jesus was meaning the Holy Spirit, and he was meaning something spiritual. Well, guess what? Right here again, what is he doing? He's trying to move people. He's trying to move people in the teaching of the bread. They're asking for another miracle. And they start bragging about the manna. And guess what? The manna was temporary. The manna only sustained life. It kept you alive, but it didn't give you life. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell them. He's trying to move them from thinking about the carnal and the physical and the earthly to the spiritual. In other words, your need is greater than to have something in your belly. 
Your need is greater. What, when, when, you, remember, you remember when the devil came to uh, Jesus and said, turn these stones into bread? He said, let me tell you something. There's more important things than bread in the belly, that, that man shall live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so he's trying to move them from that. And this is what he says. This is what he says. He says in the very next verse, I am the bread of life. Three things. Write this down in the content. The content. Every sermon should have this somewhere in it. First, Christ. He reveals to them who he is. I am the bread of life. You know what he's basically saying? I'm what you need. I am what you need. That manna sustained you in the wilderness. That, that manna sustained your physical life. But guess what? All your fathers are dead. That's what Jesus told them. And so I want to give you something where you'll live forever. I want to give you something that gives you eternal life. If this makes sense, say amen. Watch this now. His sermon. Now, now, now see, what has he done? He's used a physical illustration as, as he fed the 5,000 to give him an opportunity to reveal himself to them. Just as he revealed himself to the woman at the well when she said, when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. He said, he that speaketh unto thee, that's him. In other words, I am him. He revealed himself to them. And Jesus is revealing himself to them. He is saying, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. I am what you need. You need me more than physical bread. You need me more than these little fishes. You need me more than physical substance. I am what you need. Do you remember when, when the disciples came to Jesus in John 14? How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's about me. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Look what it says. Look what it says. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. You believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that come to me I will in no wise cast out. Say amen right there. For I came down. Now here's when, here's when it's going to get in their crawl. Here's when it's going to bug them and bother them bad. I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it again in the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Watch this, watch this. Look where it bothered him. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which... Watch what they say. Watch what they say. Verse 42. And they said, is not this Jesus? You know that son of Joseph, that carpenter fellow? Whose father and mother we know. How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? 
Now let's go back a minute. Let's go back a minute to that real spiritual sound and profession. All right? Look in verse look in verse 14. Look in verse 14. You remember after the miracle, after the phenomenon, after the supernatural? People can get real emotional and real churchy after an experience. Let me just be blunt. There, there, there can be a time that this choir can get up here and, 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 and really get with it. And maybe, maybe sing a song that's real emotional. And it, and it really, it, it, especially if you've just been going through it and, 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 and it, you know, it just, it, it just something, I'm just telling you, I've just been in some real emotional services that it's, it's real easy to get caught up in the emotions and come to this altar and promise all kind of things. In the emotional high. And then go out the doors and don't remember none of it. And so in the emotional high of the miracle and the supernatural and the feeding of all them 5,000, watch, watch what they say. Watch what they say. Watch what they say. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. That's their profession. But watch their reality. Watch their reality. Verse 41. These same people, then the Jews, then murmured at him because he said, I am come down from heaven. And what is he, what's, what's that meaning? He's putting himself on equal footing with God. Watch, watch. And they said, it's not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How is it that he saith, I came down from heaven? Here's the reality of the situation. Here's the reality of the situation. If we go back to verse 14, they said, he's a prophet. In other words... They're putting him on the same level as Samuel, Elijah, possibly even John Baptist, because John Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. He was the last prophet. But now we now, now wait a minute. Now what, what's this all this coming down from heaven stuff? What's this proving? This is proving they really did not have genuine faith and belief that he was the son of God. They believed he was a miracle worker and possibly even a prophet. But being God's son is... Now, wait a minute. What do you mean you come down from heaven? You're Joseph and Mary's son. We saw you build tables and chairs your whole life. We've known you since you was a little fella. Y'all with me? How can we apply this to today? There's a sad fact that there's a lot of people that believe. Now, here, now follow me with this. I hope I'm not too confusing with this. They believe in the Jesus of their making. Now think about that a minute. 
They believe in a God of their own making. A Jesus of their own making. You say, how do you know that? How is it possible for someone to say they are a believer in Jesus Christ and believe in same-sex marriage at the same time? You say, there's no way. There is a way if you make up your own Jesus. Well, I think Jesus loves everybody. Loving everybody and condoning sin is two different things. But guess what? We have a crowd of people who say they're believers, but they believe in their own version of the Messiah. And here's the, here's the deal here. He's a prophet. He's a prophet. In other words, he's like Samuel. He's like Elijah. He's, he's, like, he's like Jeremiah. He's like, he's like, he's. But when he goes to talk about coming down from heaven, now wait a minute. When you, when you talk about salvation with some people, as long as you stay in that grace area, they're good with it. As long as you stay talking about God loves everybody, they're good with it. As long as you talk about going to heaven and forgiveness and kindness and love and all that, they're good with it. But when you go talking about repentance and turning from your wicked ways and submitting, whoa, y'all with me? That is how there's going to be many that say, Lord, Lord, we did this and we did that. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because see, the whole time, they're all about the physical. The whole time, their, their, their belief in him is not a belief in his, in, in his deity. And him being God's son. Now let's let's come on. I mean, let me let's go and keep on with it because y'all it's a little tight on you. <clears throat> Here's the thing. Look what he says. Look what he says. Jesus then answered, Murmur not among yourselves. Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent him draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets that there's, they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. What does it mean to come to him? It means to receive him. It means to, to receive him. Not that, and he, now he's going to explain it here in just a minute in detail. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God. He has seen the Father. He's talking about himself. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, hath everlasting life. See, there again, he's, he's trying to reveal himself to them and saying this, I am what you need. I am the bread of life. Your fathers, now see, now he's going to confront what they said about the manna. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are... In other words, what they got was physical. And anything physical is temporary. It's temporary. It could not give eternal life. 
What they had was for the physical. Watch what he says. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and, and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread, watch this now, watch this. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. What is verse 51? Verse 35, the, the content of the message is this. It's a content of Christ. Secondly, it's of Calvary. It's of Calvary. Verse 51 deals with Calvary. He's trying to tell them about Calvary. He's trying to reveal to them about the sacrifice of the Son of God. He says, I'm going to give my life. And he's revealing to them the sacrifice of Calvary. Listen, every sermon should have Calvary in it somewhere. Say amen. The sacrifice. Listen, as we, as we continue, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall eat. And by the way, if you go back into John chapter number 3, you'll see almost the same exact sermon in a little different way. If you'll remember when he was speaking to Nicodemus, he said, as the, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be. What's he doing? He's talking about Calvary. It's the same thing, but in a different way. Does this make sense? It's all about getting people to understand who he truly was and why he truly came. In other words, I didn't come simply so you could have a full belly or so you could have all your problems solved. I came because you're under condemnation. You are a sinner. You are born into sin. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. I came that you might have eternal life. My primary purpose was not to be a healer. It was to be a savior. And your greatest problem is not hunger. Your greatest problem is not leprosy. Your greatest problem is not being crippled or being blind or being mute or being deaf. That's not the greatest problem. The greatest problem is you're a sinner on your way to hell and you need a Savior. Amen. Look, let's go. Let's go. Where'd I stop? Okay. Verse, verse 52. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They don't get it, guys. He's speaking spiritually in their faith. Just like Nicodemus, just like the woman at the well, they don't get it. Okay? Then Jesus saith unto them. Now, what's he trying to do? He's trying to go into detail about true faith and true belief and faith. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in and That's the key right there. Underline that in your Bible. Dwelleth in me, and I in him. That's the key to understanding that stuff. You're thinking, we got to be cannibals? No, that's not what he's saying. He's illustrating the indwelling presence of Christ. All right? Uh, help me. 57. As the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father. 
So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. That is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna, that temporary stuff, that stuff that can only sustain the physical life. They're dead, it's temporary. But he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he talked. See, the, the, the crowd has moved into the synagogue. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself what his disciples murmured, he said unto them, does this offend you? Does this, this bother you? Now, now, now remember, I, I wonder why he said what he said next. And I think God showed to me today what the deal is. Watch what he said. All right, if this bothers you, what if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? If you'll remember the whole problem, the whole problem that started all of this was him talking about him. Come on, everybody, him. He says, does that bother you? Really? Does that bother you? What if you see me go back? By the way, guess what he did? He went back. A cloud received him out of their sight. If you don't believe it, go look at Acts 1. Y'all with me? Let me hurry. Let me hurry. We're out of time. Let's, let's act like I didn't see that clock. <clears throat> All right? All right? Now watch. Now watch. He said, what if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Now he's going to say... Let me, let, me, let me tell you something. Now he's going to show, look, I'm not talking about literally eating my, my flesh. Because I'm trying to tell you about spiritual things. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are, and they are, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Walked no more with him. Now here's, a, here's, a, here's another clearer understanding of what Jesus was talking about eating his flesh. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. In other words, this is after that, that huge crowd turned and left. They turned to, they turned to Peter and, and the disciples. Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, here's the key, guys. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words. Thou hast the words. words of eternal life. And we, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, now, now look at me for a minute. Look at the difference between Peter's profession and the profession we heard in verse 14. We believe you're a prophet. But what did Peter say? We believe thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you remember, do you remember when, 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 when Peter was asked by Jesus, Who, whom do men say that I am? Well, some say thou art Elias. That's Elijah. 
Someday one of the prophets, even maybe John the Baptist, come back from the dead. But who do you say that I am? We believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What does he say? Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, he's saying you have genuine faith. Now let me, let me, let me say something with this. Let me, let me read this to you because I don't want you to leave you hanging on that flesh and drinking blood stuff, all right? Here, here's what Jesus is saying. He's talking about the indwelling of, the, of Christ. Now just listen to me. I, don't, I, I didn't give them these verses. I just put this so I can, I can leave you with something. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in, in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Watch this. 1 John 3, 23. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. See, he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he, gave, he hath given us. Watch this. What did, what did Peter say? He said, words. Thou hast the words of life. Thou hast. See, they believed his miracle. They just didn't believe his words. Watch this. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the, the word of God. Listen. It's all about the word of God, guys. Romans 10, 13, so faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. John 5, 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John 8, 31, then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, now you can profess to believe, but let me tell you something, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The one that's the most important. Jesus is, Jesus is confronted. Jesus is confronted by uh, the devil in the wilderness. And this is going to draw it all together, guys. This is what's going to make it all make sense. Jesus is confronted by the desert and the wilderness. Y'all know he hasn't ate in 40 days. And he, he, he tempts Jesus to turn the stones into bread. And y'all remember what he said. Man shall not live. Man shall not live by bread alone. That's the physical. That's the, that's the, that's the y'all with me? But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, physical, spiritual. What, what Jesus is trying to say to the devil is the same thing he was telling them here in the, in, in this, the message about the bread of life, is that the, fit, the spiritual is more important than the physical. Y'all with me? Now watch. He's quoting, he's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now let me read it. Now just follow me. Just stay with me because I'm already out of time. And I'm going to be in trouble. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. All right? Deuteronomy 8. Listen, listen close. This is what Jesus is quoting to the devil. He goes back to the scriptures and he quotes Deuteronomy 8.1. All the commandments which I command thee this day, this is, this is God speaking to the nation of Israel after, after uh, they've come through the wilderness. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live 
and multiply and go and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. Now he's going to tell them why he made them go through the wilderness like he did. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know that was what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Verse 3, here it is, guys, watch this. And he humbled thee and suffered or allowed thee to hunger and fed thee with manna. He fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know. Why? That he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread alone or only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now let me read you a little commentary on that and we'll pray. Can Give, give me two more minutes. Each morning... <clears throat> Each morning during their wilderness journey, God sent the Jewish people angels' food, Psalm 78, 21 through 25, to teach them to depend on Him for what they needed. Let me say that again. To teach them to depend on Him for what they needed. But the manna was much more than daily physical sustenance. It was the type of the coming Messiah who was the bread of life. And I'm not going to go into all that, but there are so many types that the, 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 the manna was. In other words, he was pointing to his son, Jesus. When Satan tempted him to turn stones into bread, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 8.3 and indicated that the word of God, say it with me, that the is also the bread of God. For we feed on, listen now, for we feed on Jesus Christ when we feed on the word of God. God was teaching the Jews to look to Him for daily bread, to begin each day meditating on the Word of God. Those who obeyed God in the daily responsibility of gathering manna would be inclined to obey the rest of His commandments. Our relationship to the Word of God indicates our relationship to the God of the Word. What is that saying? We feed on Jesus when we feed on His Word. It's about His Word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... The Word of God. They believed in the miracle, but they didn't believe His Word. They didn't believe Him when He said, I came down from heaven. They didn't believe Him when He said, I'm the Son of God. I am the Messiah. Are y'all with me? It was a surface belief. And the surface belief was caused by a wrong motivation. They did not want their sins forgiven. They wanted their bellies full. We're out of time. I'm not finished with this, but we'll do this next week. Because I think this is so serious and so important. We need to talk about it some more. How about that? Say amen. amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your mercy. Thank you so much for your word and your teaching. Lord, let our faith be genuine. Lord, there's so many people who've made a profession and their, their life never changed. It never was different. Lord, it's it, 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 it just that it, it can't be. Lord, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. They're not going to be perfect overnight, but they're sure going to be different. And I pray that you'll help us all to examine ourselves and see that we be in the faith. 
I pray your perfect will be done. Thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. Read John 6 again this week. We'll come back to it some more. Yeah.